Everybody good? Man, I got blasted in worship. Wow. You know, that first hymn we sang, you know, that was song had to be written by an angel, not a man. I'm serious. That song, very, very uh, unusual song. Uh, and I love the last one, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms of Jesus. That's an awesome song. Uh, thank you, Lord. Let me just lean on the Lord's arm right now for a second. That's the way I feel. <laughs> it's not a bad place to lean, actually. It's pretty good. Feels good, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, we thank you for Father's Day. Amen. I was thinking about my daddy. He's been 90 now. He's been dead for 12 years. And a few months ago, I had this very powerful encounter slash dream slash vision, whatever it was, where I went into heaven. And I actually saw my daughter, who's been dead for a long time, 20-something years. She's grown up in heaven. And I saw her as a grown woman. She was beautiful. And uh, I was able to tell her I loved her and tell her how beautiful she was. And, but they were all being all serious up there talking to me. And I was thinking, what's wrong with y'all? This is heaven. I kept trying to tell them, this is heaven. Why are y'all being serious with me? But my daddy spoke to me while I was there. And he was like a young man, the real dad, the real person. He was young. He was handsome. His life come out, and I was trying to tell him how awesome he was and how great he was and how much I loved him. He said, well, I love you too, but, you know, did you hear what she said to you? So it's always good to know, even if you don't have a dad here, your daddy's in heaven with the Lord, and that's an awesome thing. And he's alive and more alive than he ever was here. So I'm just so thankful today for for Christ and for what He's done for us and how He's given us a, a future and a hope. And our life is not all going to be, it's not just here, but we have something beyond here. And I want you to just really think about that, that God has something so much greater than just our life here on this earth. And, you know, that we have a treasure in heaven, and the Lord Himself is our greatest treasure. But he also, we also have a treasure of the people that we loved on this earth and who've gone on to be with the Lord and they're there waiting on us friends family uh, even ones we never met they're there waiting on us and I'm gonna tell you something they know a lot about our lives going on on this earth they're, they're they know what's happening here the angels tell them uh, and sometimes the Lord gives them a little glimpse of things that are going on on the earth and when, when somebody passes and goes to heaven uh, the family is there to greet them and meet them, and they want to know, and they tell them what's been happening on earth. So they're very interested in, in us and what's happening in our lives on this earth because what we do here is determining our eternity, and we want to be having a good eternity, right? I mean, amen? I mean, we don't want to just get to heaven. We want to have a big time. We want to have some big-time stuff up there. I got some plans for heaven. Amen? Well, here you go. I'm going to give you this message here. This is not a systematic teaching, I don't think. I want to talk to you. This is something the Lord really has, wants to say to you this morning. And I'm just going to hit a few high points out of this story, ones that, things that really spoke to me. I can't get through the whole thing today because I'd be rushing it. But I do want to tell you a few things. And maybe I'll finish it up next week. We'll just see. But it's the story of Lazarus. Anybody know who Lazarus was in the Bible? You know, he was a dead man uh, that came back alive. But I want to, God wants to speak, there's some stuff in here God wants to say. 
Okay? Um, so let me just read and just share a few little, little tidbits. Uh, so I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. I'll just start there. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they sent a message to the Lord. Behold, him who you love is sick. They didn't even say that. They just said, him who you love. Uh, verse 5 there, jump down there to verse 5. Let me, let me throw that in there. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. These were not just normal people in the sense, these were special people to Jesus. These were his friends. That word there, love, is friendship. These were the people that Jesus had a relationship with. These were the people that Jesus met, okay? And I, probably every time he went to Jerusalem, he probably stayed at their house. It was a, probably a regular occurrence there at his house. That they were there. They had a, rel- a personal relationship with Jesus. They didn't just have a, see him, you know, ministering in the crowds or whatever. They knew him personally. They ate with him. They lived in, he lived in their house with them. He probably lived, spent the night there, had a bed there. That was probably really what was going on. So there was this closeness with the Lord. There was this friendship with the Lord. Much like what we aspire to have in our lives, right? That's why this is important for us. This is sort of what we want. I hope you want it. You know, is we want to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. We want to have a relationship with the Lord that if He were walking on the earth today and He came to Mooresville, that He would come to our house, you know, and He would be at our house. He would, we would eat with Him and we would enjoy Him. We would talk about things. We'd talk about spiritual things and we'd talk about non-spiritual things. We may talk about fishing or hunting or, you know, whatever, you know. They, those things can, get, can be spiritual. So this is an important thing. I think the first thing that I wanted to, to say here, I think it's really interesting that when he was sick, and it, obviously he was real sick because it did kill him, that they, neither one of them took the time to get up and go to the Lord themselves. Literally, they, it says they sent, sent to him. In other words, they sent somebody to Jesus. Okay, they sent a person, a messenger to go to the Lord to tell him about this grave situation that was going on. Okay? And I think that's really sort of the, the thing, one of the things that really stuck out to me about a lot, of, a lot of us today. You see, a lot of us want the Lord, and we want God to move, we want God to touch us, but many times, and this is, we're all guilty of this, many times we want somebody else to, to do something for us. We want somebody to make that contact for us. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? And see, that's really the first thing I, I, that catches my eyes. See, Jesus, these people were close to Jesus. They could have went to Him personally real easy. But they didn't. They sent somebody. And I think one of the things that God, you know, a lot of people want to see a revival or they want to see a healing, they want to see a miracle, but they're not really willing to connect with God themselves on a personal level. They're not willing to take the trouble or the effort it takes. The inconvenience, really, is not trouble. It's the inconvenience. So I think that's the downfall of a lot of people when it comes to seeing God really move in the earth is we want somebody else to do it for us. Amen? 
All right, then in verse 6 it says, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was, which seems sort of, sort of inconsiderate of Jesus at this moment. Like, come on, the guy's sick, they're needing you to come. Why did you just stay? In other words, there's this delay that God built into responding to these people. Okay? And always in your Christian life, this is what you're going to find. Okay? God many times delays things. In fact, God most of the time delays things. I found this with God. When He does something, usually I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm not ready for this. But most of the time, it's like, where is the Lord? Is He going to show up? Is He going to come through? Has anybody had that feeling in their life? And so there's always a divine delay that goes on. See, a lot of people, you, you watch a lot of people. You watch what's happening in their life. They need something from God bad. They need a healing. They need a miracle. They need a breakthrough. They need something to happen. They need a job. They need something. And they're believing that God's going to do that in their life, and they believe these promises that He has over their life, and guess what He does? He doesn't. It seems like He's doing nothing. It seems like all you dream for, all you believe for, all that you know the Lord will do, can do, should do, according to His Word, according to how you know God, and He just delays. He doesn't show up in our lives. Has anybody had that? There's a lot of divine delays going on right now in the earth. God's, God's got, oh, God, move in America. Where is God in America? What, or is our country going to go down the tubes? And it's like God is sitting there in heaven like, I'm just waiting for some reason before I go to the United States and show up in the United States like everybody's asking me to. I'm just waiting you know, John Arnott, when he was coming, he, he preached about the, 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 what, the five virgins, the five wise, and the five foolish. Remember that? And one of the things he talked about was the bridegroom was delaying and everybody went to sleep. Even the, even the wise virgins fell asleep because of the, of the delay. And so that's what happens to us many times is when the Lord doesn't show up, there's this spiritual lethargy that comes upon us. Okay, because God is not there in the moment. And so we sort of start drowsing off in our spiritual, our spiritual life. We start getting sleepy. Right? You start, and does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm just telling you right now, that's what's going to happen to you when he delays. You're going to get sleepy spiritually. And it's a dangerous place to be sleepy. It's, you have to wake yourself. You have to rouse yourself. So right now, if you're a person and you're in a need of the Lord and he's not showing up yet, and you're wondering why, you need to really pay attention to what's going on with yourself. Be, be, be careful that you don't fall, fall asleep spiritually and become a lukewarm Christian. Okay? Then in verse 11, you know, he had some discussion there. Everybody was saying, oh, God, you, you know, we're going to go die with Lazarus. And, you know, a lot of belief going on with the disciples. We don't want to leave their unbelief. Uh, and these, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. My friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. See, so Lazarus was asleep. He was dead. He was asleep, according to Jesus. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to wake him up. That's what I'm going to do. I, there's an awakening I, that I want to do. Maybe that's why he's delaying, because God is not just interested in coming sort of stirring things up a little bit. Maybe he wants to do something where everybody's going to get woke up. All the body of Christ is going to get woke up. Everybody, because it does tell us, I'll tell you this, he tells us in, in John 5, he says There's, the Son of Man is going to wake the dead. I'm going to give the dead the ability to hear my voice. 
He said that in John 5. There's days coming. When the, and then he does it in John 11. He wakes the dead. So I believe there's an awakening coming. That God, There really is an awakening coming where God is going to speak in dead people. I'm talking spiritually dead people are going to hear the voice of the Lord. That's what awakening is. It's when people wake up to a spiritual reality that's real and alive. Okay, and that's really where God is calling the church to. There's an awakening coming, I believe, even for the body of Christ. But, you know, for years we've had Hebrews 11, 11. Y'all know what Hebrews 11, 11. Y'all, is anybody here an 11, 11 person? Raise your hand if you're, I want to know about the 11, 11 people in here. Come on. I'm a big 11, 11 person. You know, in other words, every time I look at the clock, it's 11, 11. All the time. I mean, it's just uncanny. It's just like, that spooky is so uncanny. You know, and most of the time it's during the day because 11, 11 at night I'm in bed normally. You know, but I have opened my eyes and looked at my clock in my bed and it's 11, 11. Well, I for years believed Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah herself received seed to conceive. I always believe that's what that means. There's a power given to conceive something. There's a power given. And it's Sarah herself, right? Not Abraham. It's, you know, Abraham gives everything, but Sarah had something. In other words, it ain't just the most prominent people. It's not the greatest people, but it's just an ordinary person. So every time I would see 1111, every time I would think, oh, yeah, I'm going to receive something from the Lord. That's how I think. I'm, I'll just say, whatever it is, Lord, I'm receiving something to conceive, to bring forth the purposes of God in my life. But I've got this John 1111. It's an awakening. You hear that? So here's what I'm thinking now. John 11, 11, when I see 11, 11, God wants to bring an awakening to America. Lord, bring a spiritual awakening to the United States of America. Bring a spiritual awakening into my family. Bring a spiritual awakening into this church, Lord. Bring a spiritual awakening into me, Lord. Wake me up, Lord. Wake me up. That's a good, good uh, John, that's a good 11, 11 verse. Amen? All right, now. So now here we're getting down to the part I really want to, go after you about this is really the part here um verse 17 so when jesus came he found that it had already been in the tomb four days four days is significant in the jewish culture because the jews believe like i think the jehovah witnesses or more no, it's the mormons that believe the person's spirit would hover over their bodies and if something didn't happen by the fourth day it would take off that's what the Jews, that's the actually, Mormons actually got that belief from the Jews. That's what they believed. They believe a person's spirit didn't go to heaven. It just hung around. It was all, you know, around the body waiting on something to happen because they believed in miracles. The Jewish people did. They believed God would raise that that was in them. Also, medical science has proven it takes the, the last cells in your body. Lenore can correct me on this, but I read this in a medical thing. The last cells on your body is your joint cells that die. It takes them four days to die. In other words, it takes you four days to be completely dead as far as the cells in your body. So Jesus waited for four days knowing that he wanted that guy to be as dead as a hammer. I mean, he didn't want nothing left in that guy. He didn't want one cell in his arm or his toenail or wherever moving. And plus he wanted those Jews to see that he had power to call a spirit back in the body that had long departed and was long gone from that body. And wasn't Jesus smart? He knew some stuff. Anyways, uh, that wasn't my real point. I just think it's pretty fascinating how he does stuff. He seems to know information that nobody else. Nobody knew it took four days for a person to really die back in Jesus' day, but he knew. 
since he made us. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. So a couple of miles from, from the capital there, there was, there was this little city, Bethany. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So there was a comforting going on there. They were, they were, in, a, they were in a mess. Now, Martha, now this is what I want you to get. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, okay, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Let's get that. Let's, let me say, read that to you. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, don't you think that's sort of an interesting thought there? Think about it. You know, we, we think about old Martha. Martha's got a bad rap with a lot of Christians, Right? Oh, Martha's the one who got in trouble with Jesus, right? Martha was the servant. Martha was the one who worked and got discouraged and got distracted while Mary sat there and just soaked in the presence of God. And we've always esteemed this Mary woman. But here's Mary sitting in the house when the Lord came. Guess who got up? The one that we've given the bad rap to, the one we think little of spiritually. She's the one who gets up. And goes out to meet him. I'll tell you something. One thing about the Lord. We want God to come to us. But this this story proves something. God wants us to come to him. You know, God will come to a place in your life. But he really wants you to get up from where you are. To go find him. To go meet him there. In other words, he came into town. But he didn't come into the house. I think that's interesting. He stopped out there for a reason. Because he was trying to draw something out of them. And so that's what happens with a lot of people sometimes. You see, they're, they're looking for God. They're wanting something. God starts moving their way, but they never get up and move His way. Well, let me just read that story again because uh, of Luke. Let's just jump out there. I want to read it just, just for a minute just to remind you about this. Uh, it's Luke 10, 38 through 40. Y'all following this? Yes or no? Yes. Come on, I need some help here. Yes. <laughs> now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her house. That was, I guess this was the initial time that Jesus met these people. They welcomed him into their house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Isn't that awesome? That's why we so esteem Mary because she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Uh, but Martha, and this is why we so little esteem Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Y'all remember this story. She was all mad at the Lord. You know, she was frustrated because she wasn't getting the help. But the interesting little word in there that I don't think we've really got our hands around yet, and let me just propose this to you. It said, where it says uh, in verse 39, it says, Mary who also said at Jesus' feet. That word also could, also could also be translated likewise. Mary likewise sat at Jesus' feet. You know, likewise, like somebody else may have been sitting at Jesus' feet. The Bible doesn't tell us that Martha never sat at Jesus' feet. You know, it doesn't say that. We've read that in that. Somebody preached a great message sometimes in the 1600s. And got us to believe in this, that Martha was a bad person. She was just a servant. She never took time to be with the Lord. But I wondered if that word likewise meant that Martha was a person who sat at the Lord's feet. That she was a person when he, he came in her house, that she, she gave him opportunity. She sat with him. She, she received something. Because tell you, 
in John 11, something was different about Martha that Mary didn't have on board. Because Martha is the one who got up. Now, read between the lines a minute. Okay, just read between the lines. Do you like to read between the lines in the Bible? I always am interested in what the Bible didn't say. Because lots of times the Bible leaves things out to try to give us a hint, to tell us something, to get us to see something. You know, Paul will make all these lists about things, this and that, keep you from the love of God, nothing, this can't, that can't, this can't do it. Oh, but he leaves one thing out. What did he leave out? It's interesting. God will speak to you through that. Uh, Here's something I think is really important before I go on. The word balance. How many people believe in balance? But how many people believe that well, here's my problem with balance in the Bible. I don't really see balance in the Bible the way we see it. You know the scripture where Jesus talked about talking to the people, you do not know, you're in great error because you do not know the scripture nor the power of God. Lots of times there's been a teaching that says we need to be balanced between the scriptures and the power of God. There needs to be a balance. But that is really not what that scripture says. It doesn't say there needs to be a balance. It says this. Neither. You don't know neither one of them, so you're messed up. In other words, it, it said we need both. Here, here's what I believe balance is in the Lord. If the Lord says today the Scriptures are the most important thing there is in your life, that's balance. Because He said the Scripture is the, my weight on you today. And we want to think, well, no, I've got to have the Scripture and the power to be. And I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says both. So there may be the day where the Lord says, today the power of God is more important than anything else in your life. That's God's balance. I believe that's really how we need to look at balance, biblically. So, you know, we try to balance this thing out between Martha serving and Mary not being between. You know, there's this balance between them. Have you heard that teaching before? That's not a good teaching, I don't think. I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't know. I'm just saying, think about balance for a while. How can you and I determine what balance is with God? How can we determine what's more important at a, in any a, a given moment? Right? I mean, the Bible's saying this. The power. You know what Paul said? Paul said this, that I might know Him, that's the number one thing, and the power of His resurrection. That's the second thing I need to know. That's what Paul said. He didn't, and guess what the third thing was? You don't want to know. Fellowship of suffering. Isn't it interesting that he said that and didn't put the Bible in anywhere in that list? Now, I'm not putting down knowing the Bible. I love that. I'm just saying that's what he said. Actually, I'm saying that's what the Bible says that Paul said. He said there's three things. There's, there's knowing the Lord himself. There's knowing the power of God. And there's knowing the fellowship of suffering. That's what I need to be knowing. So I think somewhere in that, the Bible's all in the middle of that. All right. So that's my little balance teaching. So here's the thing I want you to get about Mary, okay? Let's just read between the lines for a minute. Here's Mary sitting in the house. Her brother's dead. Jesus has let her down. Jesus didn't do what she wanted him to do, okay? Jesus is at the edge of town. Martha hears it. Martha goes to Mary and says, Mary, the Lord, the Lord's at the edge of town. He's come finally. And here's Mary. This is Mary. She is so deep in a hole. Okay, she's so deep in a hole. 
that she can't get up. Okay? Now, I want to get real with you this morning. Think about it. Let's think about it a minute. Here's the person. Here's, her, here's some thoughts she's thinking. What, why didn't the Lord come? I gave my entire inheritance. I took my inheritance and I poured it out on His feet. I poured out everything I have on this earth. I sat at His feet when He came and my sister got mad at me. I sat so long. And now my brother's sick and he don't even take the time to even call me on the phone and tell me I hope he gets well. He don't send me a card. He just doesn't show up. Have you thought about that? And that's what happens to a lot of us. Has anybody been there? Have you ever been the person who was passionate for the Lord? I mean really passionate. Like Mary, you would give your last dime that you had to Him. I mean your last dime. It didn't matter. You would give your house to Him. You'd give your kids to Him. You love. You would go live in a cave for Him if that's what He said to do. You didn't care. But here He was at the edge of the town this day and you can't even get up to go see this person that you did all that for? You see what I'm saying? And see, that's what happens over and over and over in Christian life. Have you ever been that person? Have you ever been that person with that passion for the Lord? And suddenly there came a day when some, nobody could talk you even into thinking about Jesus. Is that, have you ever been that person? Come Raise your hand if you've been that person. I want to know if I'm not the only person in this room by myself. Because I have sat right there where Mary has sat. I've sat in both places. I've sat in disappointment and discouragement. I have sat where I couldn't even get myself up. If somebody said Christ was at the door, I couldn't have got up from this seat and walked to there. That's going to happen in your life if it's never happened. I promise you that. I mean, this is the fame, one of the most famous Christians of all time, Mary. And because she's so hurt and she's so down. And I can just hear Martha saying, come on, come on, what is wrong with you? You're the revival leader. You're the passionate person. What happened to you? Right? Yeah, it makes you question about your Christian life sometimes. So we really need those people like Martha. She may have gotten rebuked. And she may have faltered in one place. But she rose to the occasion in this place, I'll tell you that. She rose to the occasion. I guess what she said, okay, then, I'm done. I'm not going to try to beg you to come. I'm not going to try to beg you, but I'm going. I'm going to go, goodbye, I'm going, goodbye. Somebody's got to get up and go. You know, if we really want to see a move of God, somebody's got to go to them. Somebody has. Thank God for Martha. Right? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Hmm. I think that a lot of people get messed up about this revival stuff, this move of God stuff. And I think a lot of people get messed up with their relationship with the Lord when they put it all out there on the line. With I love people who do that. That's the kind of people I want to hang around with. I want to hang around people who are saying, I'm giving everything to Christ. Christ is my all in all. I'll give it all. This world means nothing to me. You know, the Bible talks in Acts 15 about people who risk their life for the gospel. That's the kind of people I want to be. So I'm looking for people like that who will lay their life down for it. But also found out, I know people like that, and I found those same people sitting in a room one day, and they couldn't even get out of the house. 
because they were so discouraged. I know people who sat in the house for 30 years. I'm talking about people at one time had more destiny, more anointing, more calling, more purpose, more future than anybody that I ever been around. And they have sat in the house for 30 years. And they had, the moves of God have come and gone and come and gone. And they have sat there because they didn't have nobody. And I'm not putting those people down. They didn't have nobody who go found some contact and could go back and get them and tell them, the Lord's here. Are you hearing me? So she gets up, Martha does. You know, I'll tell you this. Gwen Catron really has a calling to be a Martha. Like this. Not like getting fussed at. A Martha that can get up when everything has fallen down around them. And God has disappointed them beyond measure. Because I'm telling you something, God is going to disappoint you and I. I mean, He is going to disappoint the fire out of us. And He's going to let us down, quote, in our eyes. And when she had, you know, she had gotten with the Lord, did all this big talk about resurrection, uh... She, when she said these things, she, it says in verse 28, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, okay, now, this is important. The teacher has come and is calling for you. And something happened. And she said that to her. Something happened to Mary. Mary went from that person that was so deep in a hole that Jesus, the person that she so paid love that she couldn't even think, couldn't even get up out of the house. She was so hurt and wounded. It says, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. She arose quickly and came quickly. In other words, something happened. And it says right here, Jesus had not come into town yet but was in that same place. In other words, Jesus just stayed out there. He was waiting on both of them to come because neither one of them had, had the willpower or had anything in him to go up and tell them in the first place four days ago. So he gave them another chance to come. He just moved a little closer to them. So, well, you don't have to go as far. That's one thing. But here's the thing. Something, something happened with Mary. Okay? Because I do believe Mary probably tried her best to convince uh, something happened to Martha. She tried her best to convince Mary to come on with her the first time, and she couldn't do it. So she went alone. But when she went back and she said what she said to her, there was something on them words that caused life to come back into Mary and caused her to jump up and run out there to the Lord. And the reason she had life on them words, I believe, is Martha went out there and she was with the Lord. And because she was with Him, she didn't send somebody. She herself went. And when she came back, there was something on her that came off of Him, got on her, and she got it on her sister. And her sister changed. You see what I'm saying? That's why being a Martha is a good thing. You know, you go be with Jesus, you got something on you. And I'm talking about you being with Him personally. And you can go to the Marys in this world. There's a bunch of them out there right now. 
sitting in their house, pretty dead. And like I say, I know some have been sitting for 30 years. People, you know what people told me? Well, the Lord told me I could set this move of God out. I thought, what? You're kidding me. The Lord didn't tell you that. You said that. You can't set a move of God out. Are you kidding me? You want, this, you want your family to go to hell and you're going to set a move of God out? Is that what you want? You want this nation to fall down around you? You're going to set a move of God out? That's a person who's like Mary was that day. That's some of the things they would say. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this. I know it's time to go, but I haven't really given you the punchline yet. I didn't really have time to do all this. That word teacher there, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Actually, that word teacher, you know, notice it's, it's not like Corey. Teacher, little t. You know, better, the King James captured this better. It says, the master has come and is calling for you. The master has come and is calling for you. You know, traditional churches are full of Christians that need to hear that? I mean, they need to hear that. They're, they're believers that love God, and, but they need somebody to go get in the presence of the Lord and go tell them, the Master's come. It's calling for you. When I was in China, somebody said that to me. The Master has come, Byron, and He's calling for you. I was laying in my bed this week. I heard, the Master has come. He's calling for you. You hear what I'm saying? I'm here to say to somebody in this room, the Master has come. He's calling for you. It doesn't have to be just difficult. You can be flying real high. You can be doing real good. But when you hear somebody say, the Master has come and is calling for you. Something's going to happen in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I heard him tell me that. Byron, the Master has come. He's calling for you. I think there's people, wouldn't you like to hear the Lord say that to you? You know, a lot of times people go through stuff, but and we don't have time, but there was a miracle that happened because the Master had come. That's all He wants people to hear now. He wants somebody. Martha, would you get up and would you go to Him? If you're Martha today, would you get up and go to Him? If that's what your heart is, will you please get up and go out there and meet Jesus? Because there's Marys all around you. There's devoted ones all around you. They're not acting devoted right now. They're messed up. They're in a hole. They need something. They don't need a message. They don't need to hear about this. They, don't need, to hear, they need to hear those words. The Master's come. He's calling for you. Listen, I hear this. The Master's coming. The Master has come. He's calling for you. He's calling for you, Doug Murdoch.
It's calling for you, Sam. Don Gein, the master's come. It's calling for you. I hope, I hope that's the Lord saying that. I feel that. The master's come. The master's come. Not uh, the algebra teacher's come. Sorry, Corey. The algebra teacher's come. You think I'm going to get up with that because the algebra teacher came? I'm getting out of here. I didn't do my homework. But when the master comes, I'm getting up. And he may be standing up there at the top of the road or out there in the field somewhere in your bathroom. I had to go to China. And, I mean, you don't have to be, that's what I want you to get. You don't have to be in a place of great loss. You can be doing quite well spiritually. Okay? Quite well. Quite well. You can be flourishing in the Lord. But when the Master comes, none of that matters. You can be flourishing all day, but none of that matters when He comes because the Master's come. And when the Master comes, everything stops and everything focuses on Him. Y'all hearing that? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I believe the Master has come. He's calling for people right now. Lord, I just pray for the Marthas in this room who have the, the wherewithal in them to get up even in their worst situation. Who's a Martha? Raise your hand. Now, I'm thinking, being a Martha, stand up for your Martha. Being a Martha is a good day. You're in a good day. This is your day. We're talking about Martha who got up, who didn't sit there like the great Mary did. Right? Somebody's got to get up. Somebody's got to get up. And go get with him. He's out there. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to get with him. And I'm going to come back and tell all these disappointed, disillusioned, squashed down, broken Marys. The Master has come. And He's calling for you. Come on. And they'll jump up. They'll jump up and go to him. And that's really what the Lord wants. The Master's come. He's calling for you. So I pray for the Marthas this morning. I pray... Each, for each one of you, in the name of Jesus, that you stay standing up if you're, a, if you're a Martha, because you're important in God's purpose and plan right now. You have an appointment with Him. That's why I kept saying that on Gwen when I was sitting here doing worship. You got an appointment to, to go and see Him. And you may have some questions, and you may not get the answer that you were looking for. But when you come back from being with him, the people who hadn't been listening to you are going to start listening. There's something going to happen when you go be with him. And it's going to cause those passionate Marys to get on fire again. Because we need those Marys. We need those passionate Marys to get on fire. But I mean, honest to God, the church needs these Marthas if we've ever needed them. So I want to pray. Will y'all come out here? I just want to lay my hands real quick on you. Is that okay, everybody? Because I, I, I feel a need for the Marthas. You know, most people who are in ministry are Marthas. You know that, don't you? Most preachers are Marthas. Father, right now, this morning, we just pray for the anointing of Martha in John chapter 11 to come right now, Lord. Come right now, Lord. This awesome anointing that in the hour of despair, in the hour of loss, in the hour of confusion, when everything wasn't working, when the pain was too 
much to bear. Lord, we are asking you that Martha would get up and go and find him who's out there. God, we need the Marthas to rise up and come back and say to the rest of us, He's going to restore your relationship with Him. 
That's what he's going to do. You just go to him. You just go to him. Because he's the master. And when the master comes, things happen. When the master comes, things happen. The master has called your name. I'm telling you. I want to say this to the rest of you who are really flying spiritually high. I went to China flying spiritually high. But I heard the Lord say to me, The master is here. He's calling for you. And I laid in my bed. Last week he reminded me, The master is here, Byron. He's still calling for you. He's still calling for you, buddy. The master's here. He's calling for us. Jesus Christ is the master. He's calling for every one of us. I don't care where you're at, where you've been, what you've got. He's calling for you today. I'm telling you, He is the master's here. He's calling for you. Today's a good day in your life to say yes to Jesus one more time. Today's a good day in your life to make a... Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, I'm going to commit to you. Lord, I'm going to stop doing that thing you've been bugging me about. I'm going to recommit myself. I'm going to get back on fire for you, Lord. I'm going to go after you, Lord. I'm going to have passion for you, Lord. I'm going to make Jesus Christ the primary thing in my life. Today's a good day day to do that. Today's a good day. Thank you for that day, Jesus. We thank you that the Master has come. He's calling each one of us by name. Judy, Jerry, Matthew, Amy, Wendell, the Master is calling you. Brian Summers, the Master is coming, is calling you. That's a good day. Thank you, Father. Oh, bless you, Jesus. Lord, we just want to dismiss people now. I don't know what else to do, so I pray you get in your bed tonight. And you would hear, the Master is here. He's calling for you. Pray you'd hear it over, over, over until you go to him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you guys. Thank you, Lord, for the Marthas that are here. Bless them. Thank you for them, Lord. We, we bless the Marthas. We take the shame off the Marthas, Lord. We encourage the Marthas today. Go and be the real marvelous. God's calling to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Get that in and Martha back there on that piano. You can be dismissed. Go buy some ice cream.